Hey everyone, welcome to the Tapa Ananato podcast. If you love to read books, or if you're an author, then this podcast is for you. I'm award-winning and best-selling author, Tina Hogan Grant. Join me and a new guest author on every show. We'll be sharing writing tips, what inspires us to write our story, and answering questions from our listeners. everyone, Tina Hogan Grant here with my couple and Nada that I like to do twice a month. I bring authors into my home and we talk about books, writing, life as an author, and whatever comes to mind. And tonight I am thrilled to have with me award-winning author. I can say that now because you just won an award. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Robert Waltney, how are you this evening? I'm great, Tina. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you. And I do want to congratulate you because you just won the Somerset Award for Literature, correct? Yes, I did. The Somerset Award for Literary Fiction. Very exciting. I'm, I'm happy that, um, that, that there are people that have enjoyed it and they think that it's worthy. I have heard so much, so many good things about your book, The Cicada Tree. This is your debut novel. My debut so congratulations novel. on that too. It is on my list to read. I am impressed by the reviews you have received on this Thank book. You. I've seen it everywhere. You are doing an outstanding job for a debut novel, getting the word out there and promoting your book. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Before we get into the book, Cicada Tree, can you just give a little background on you, where you're from, anything you want to tell us? You know, sure. Like being public. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because we're live, right? Um, so I'm a lifelong resident of the South. I grew up in a small town in Southwest Georgia called Cairo, Georgia. It's spelled like Cairo, Egypt, but we pronounce it Cairo. Um, I live in I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been in Atlanta for 23 years now. So by day, I work as vice president of early education and care with Easter Seals North Georgia, which is a nonprofit organization serving children birth to five who are living in poverty. Um, and or who have a diagnosed disability. Oh, wow. um, and then in all the hours between, I write. I love that you work with kids. I, I love that. And I, of course, you're introducing them into books and writing too. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, the, the novel, The Cicada Tree, is told from the perspective of an 11 year old girl who's named Annalise Newell. Okay. And The Cicada Tree, I love the title. And I actually did a little research on cicadas, cicada brood, before I right. wanted to talk to you because I was just fascinated by the title. I'm going to ask you about that. But apparently the cicada brood only happens like every 13 years. Yeah. You know, so there are, um, so every summer there are regularly occurring cicadas, but you're right. There are these 13-year broods and 17-year broods of cicadas um, that that come out from the ground and um molt and mate and then uh, burrow themselves back down into the ground again and this only happens every 13 years yeah 13 years 17 year broods right and it says that the condition has to be exactly right whether it be a warm rain or a temperature in the in the soil of like i think believe 64 or 68 degrees exactly and it, it's amazing really you know that that nature has that clock you know yeah, the, the 13 year clock I did my research. I was I read up on it. <laughs> Have you experienced the brood? 
I have actually, when I was a boy, probably around, uh, probably I was around nine or 10 years old. And I remember Cairo, Georgia, my hometown being covered up in cicadas. They were everywhere. Shells, uh, cicada shells on pine trees. And I remember um, playing with those cicada shells. You know, like I described in the book, like the young girls play, we, we would put them on our clothes. We would put them in our hair. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. <laughs> really creepy. <laughs> and they're really loud when the They're very loud. Really yeah. Loud. You know, they, they're, they can get up to such a decibel that um, it's the, 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 um, the volume of a, a chainsaw or a motorcycle. Uh, and there, it can get up to the decimal, uh, up to such a decimal that could cause um, pain if extended for a period of time for, for someone who was listening. Wow. And the, and from what I read, you might correct me on this. Um, they're saying that the next food won't happen to like 2028. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's correct. Now, is that a big event when you know a brood's going to happen? And do you like stand outside? And <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah. Happen? Well, I think that, you know, it's funny. Um, I did know what was exciting is when the cicada tree was getting ready to come out, there was a brood. Um, on the horizon, there actually was a cicada tree tracking app that you could download on your phone to see where the cicadas were, right? So typically, I mean, it is a pretty interesting event because, first of all, it's going to be very noisy and yeah. uh, you're going to see their shells everywhere. And now, do they land on, I mean, I, uh, you can tell I don't like bugs, but they're pretty big. These, these they, guys are pretty They cool. are big. They're, they're very clunky flyers, so they're not very agile. Um, but if one happened to run into you, you would feel it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, I'd love to see it on video. I'm not sure if I'd like to stand there in person and be surrounded by all these bugs. But <laughs> I, was fa- <laughs> I was fascinated when I started reading about it. But then I didn't realize how long every 13 years. During the yeah, ground, the whole it, time. It's, it's amazing. So It's remarkable. You know, they only live for a very brief, for just a couple of weeks. You know, they... Um, they're, they're nymphs that live under the ground. They make their way up to the to um, to the top of the earth, um, and they attach themselves to to trees and fence posts, anything that they can hang on to. They molt, um, then they mate, and then those eggs drop down to the ground, and the nymphs go back in. find their way go right back down again. Until this thirteen years old, nature yep. never seems to amaze me. It's Remarkable. just amazing. Okay, biology class is now over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I was yeah. I really wanted to ask you those questions, but I do want to pause for just a minute and say hi to a few people. We have a lot of people joining us tonight. If you just joined us, I'm here with award-winning author Robert Waltney. We're going to be talking about his book, The Cicada Tree. Um, we have Tina Atkinson here. She says hello. Oh. And if you have any questions for Robert, go ahead and put them in the comments. And we will try and get to as many as we can. Karen Gearing is here. Elaine Sapp is here. Oh, my friend Michelle Ann Waite. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Karen Wright is here. Lori Chasco. I do see a few Facebook users, yeah. which tells me you are in my private group, which is why I cannot see your name. If you give StreamYard permission, it will show me your name. Or you can hop over to my author page, which is public. And I'll be able to see your name. Just give me a little heads up there. Bambi is here. Uh, Mary Lapore, Renee Simmons, Karen. I said Karen. She's here. I love your accent, Robert, is what Karen said. I love your accent, you. too. 
I think that's one of the reasons why I love to hear you read because you have a fantastic accent. Thank you. <laughs> um, I see my friend uh, uh, Bambi who says that her daughter had an outdoor wedding during a 17 year brood. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's crazy. So I guess they were out and about during her wedding. Yeah, I guess it was a very noisy ceremony. No kidding. Forget the music. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about your book, The Cicada Tree. What I would like to ask you first, number one, is what inspired this book? So it's interesting. You know, I actually started, The Cicada Tree started as another book. I'd started to take, so The Cicada Tree takes place in 1956, but I began to write a novel that was going to take place in the 1970s. And the protagonist was a little boy, 11-year-old little boy. And his mother was Annalise uh, Newell Darlington. And so I was so fascinated with her. You know, I, I was about maybe three or four chapters into the novel. And I remember writing this scene where um, I think it was at that moment where I sort of found my literary voice. I thought, oh, gosh, I think this is who I am as a writer. And it was during um, that contemplation that, that I realized that... To, that the character Annalise seemed to be leaping off the page. I was fascinated by her. And I just began to ask her questions. What were you like as a little girl? And that really was the, the genesis of the cicada tree. It was another novel that morphed into another novel. But your characters talk to you. They do. I know that sounds very woo-woo. No. I'm they do 100% talk to behind you because they talk to me. So you're not the only crazy one. Good. <laughs> if they don't talk to me, I cannot write anything. It's just the bottom line. No, they have to talk to me. I agree. And, I'm sorry? No, I totally agree. You know, I think that's when the magic begins to happen. I mean, you can, when you have an idea for a story, mm -hmm. it's very flat for me. Yeah, um, and then when I begin to hear the characters that begin to come to life, you know, that really is when, the magic happens because you have a sense of who they are. You have a sense of their backstory. Um, right. You know, you have a sense of their voice, their motivation. So mm -hmm. to me, that's the exciting, um, that's an exciting place to be in when you're endeavoring upon any writing project. I agree with you. And what I love is a surprise. When you're writing and writing and all of a sudden the twist happens yeah. or just something out of the blue and it's from a character talking to you. Those I just absolutely love. Does that happen right. a lot with the cicada tree? A it, lot of surprises? There are moments, right. So I did try. So I had a sense of the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. So I had a sense of the narrative arc. Mm -hmm. But what, but, and I don't, because I'm not a plotter. I guess I'm sort of a hybrid. Me because neither. for me, so I used, I used those, um, those as guideposts. And then I let the characters just tell me how to get them from point A to point B to point C without veering too far off the initial vision of where I wanted the story to go. But the most interesting things do happen, you know, when you're alone with your computer and you're staring at the screen and those mm -hmm. characters are with you. Uh, sometimes some of the most interesting things occur that you never realized or had planned for. Yeah. And when I talk about the characters in my book, especially with the series that I'm now in book seven, I actually talk to them like the, to me, the real people. As yes. each book I've written, I get to know them better and the characteristics and their traits and their bad habits. And I kind of expect where they're going now that I'm in book seven. But still, every book, I get to know that character better. And with you, with Cicada Tree, as you get into the book more, you're learning more and more about that character. And do you feel 
as if you know she could be sitting right next to you. Yeah, you know, I do, and I'm and I miss them. Um, you know, and I do, and I, I still think about them today. And I think that, well, of course, you know, the book released in February, so I, so I have I've been fortunate to have opportunities to be able to discuss the work with with wonderful people like you and with readers. But they are there; they always seem to be there. You know, I'm at the beginning of a new project, and so those characters are starting to hold court and talk to me as well. But yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. They do become real. They do. Uh, they really the, do. I'm 100% agree with you. Now, the cicada tree is a standalone. It is, yes. You think because you missed the characters, you might write another book? <laughs> so I, so the second book won't be cicada tree related. But, you know, I, I do have a sense of where I could take another cicada tree story. So we'll mm -hmm. see. Uh, never I wanna say never. A, never say never. Exactly. I've learned never that. Say never. never say never. Um, the cicada tree, how long did it take you to write it? Um, so, you know, it's my first, you know, completed right. novel and it's my debut novel. And I've been writing pretty seriously since, I know, about 2000, you know, just taking okay. classes, playing in the writing sandbox. I think that if you sort of condensed um, time down, because, you know, there are those moments where you love the book, you hate the book, you put mm -hmm. it aside, um, mm -hmm. you know, you... Uh, separate from it for a while. I would say maybe about five years. And that really, it, I know that sounds like a really long time. No, mine but, took 26. You're uh, way ahead of me. <laughs> my debut took 26. You're okay. But I think that what you're learning, Tina, is 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 the craft, you know, that um, and there was just a lot of work that needed to be done first, you know, to discover who you are as a writer and what your literary voice is. Mm. Um, and then of course, just um, having that special story that's going, that you're going to want to stick with. Cause we all know that, you know, writing really is, you know, it's just an exercise in perseverance. It is. It, it, it somehow keeps me insane. It really does. Yeah. When I want to escape the real stuff, writing is, perfect for that. I mean, I also love to read, which I'm sure you do too. Of course you do. But when I'm writing, it's always a toss up between shall I read a book or shall I write? And most of the time writing will win because I mm -hmm. want to get to the, you know, get in this book. But reading is also a great escape for me. When we're talking about reading, I saw the question and I'm, I'm not sure who it was, but when it comes to reading, what authors have inspired you as far as your writing goes? And then if it's a separate question, which authors you enjoy to read? Sure. So I think, you know, I think from um, early on, you know, as, as a boy, I read um, the Bronte sisters. Love and, um, I love Jane Eyre. Yeah. I referenced Jane Eyre in the cicada tree. Um, so I think that those novels, the, the Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre gave me a love for the Gothic. And then of course it was uh, Truman Capote and Tennessee Williams who gave me a love for, for the Southern Gothic. Um, Great and of course, Yes. And I Great think, authors. of course, well, one of my favorite all-time novels, which is most, I, I'm a bit of, you know, it's a bit predictable, but I love To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. I think it's just one of the most perfectly formed books. I um, think it's a brilliant book, and I cannot understand why it was banned. <laughs> well, that yeah, that's another whole discussion, yeah, isn't that's it? that's another discussion. <laughs> This book banning business is crazy, yeah. but I can't tell you my favorite all-time literary character 
is uh, from Great Expectations, a Charles Dickens novel, and it's Miss Havisham, uh, the woman, the old woman who was jilted as a young girl um, on her wedding day, and okay. she spends her days in a crumbling mansion wearing that old wedding dress. <laughs> I remember, I remember. You must have a fantastic library. I want to come browse your bookshelves. Sure. <laughs> now, you live in the South, Georgia. Yes. A place that I would love to visit. Um, have you been to the Pat Conroy Center in South I, Carolina? Yes. Um, I was, I think it was in March. I was invited uh, to, the, to do an event with the Pat Conroy Literary Center at Nevermore Bookstore. Uh, and it was um, my first trip to Beaufort. It was beautiful. It's such a wonderful um, literary community. I got to tour the center. I got to meet Jonathan Hope. He's the yeah, um, executive he's, director. His whole amazing. staff, they're amazing. Yeah, they, I was, had them on this show one time. They're amazing. They are. They are. Yeah, but that is one place at the top of my list. If I, ever, if I ever get to the South, I want to go see the Pat Conroy. Absolutely. You've got to do it. Yeah, I will. I will. I do want to pause. We have sure. some more people joining us, and I want to see if we have some questions for you. We're talking to Robert uh, Waltney, award-winning author. I love saying that. And yeah. um, we're talking about his debut novel, which also won, won, won an award, The Cicada Tree. And we have um, a question here from Tracy. Oh, no, I'm sorry. But she's putting up, reading his own relaxation after crazy nights in the yeah. ER. I'm sure. I wanted to click on um, Renee's question. What comes first for you, the character or the plot? Hmm. So I think I think that it's character. It's really character. Um, you know, I would hear characters say bits and pieces of things to me um, early on. Like there's like the um, the tagline for the cicada tree is "Some things in this world are meant to burn," Ooh. and that particular line is a peculiar something that. One of the characters, Cordelia Mayfield, whispers into young Annalise Newell's ear. And so I heard that early on. I heard that line. Some things in this world are meant to burn. Also, um, this world is a dangerous place for a beautiful thing. And I didn't know what those things meant necessarily, but I knew that somewhere along the way that someone would say them. I just wasn't certain of the you context. Just and then it happened. Yeah, they did. That's a great tagline. I love that tagline. Thank you. Brilliant. We have another question for you. Um, someone's asking, where in Georgia? My daughter and grandkids live in Loganville. I, well, they're not far. I live in Atlanta, close to downtown, in an old historic neighborhood called Adams Park. So, yeah, I know Loganville well. It's maybe not even in, in maybe 30, 40 minutes from the city. Oh, not far at all. Yeah, not far at all. I like, I like this question. I, sorry, there's no name, but it's, do you ever argue with your characters? And if so, who usually wins? <laughs> so, I, you know what? I don't think that I argue with my characters, but I, I, I'm a very um, um, intuitive listener, I think. I, um, I listen. Um, they've never told me something uh, that they wanted to do that I felt was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Very far. When it came to writing the cicada tree, do you have a, um, without giving too much away, is there like a favorite scene that you really, really got into and just really enjoyed? And so I knew, I knew early on that there was going to be a party scene. The the and it happens maybe a little over halfway through the book, um, the Mayfield Gala, 
And um, I could not wait to find my way to that scene. I had a sense of what would occur. Um, and I think that that actual party occurs over three chapters. So a lot happens. Oh, nice party. Um, <laughs> yes, it was a, a, a wonderful party. There are a lot of interesting things that happen. But that was um, that was a moment that I couldn't what there were I couldn't wait to get to that. And then in the third act, uh, there is a there's a talent show that occurs, um, and then that's when all heck breaks loose in the novel. So um, I was really looking forward to being able to write my way to those two moments. Oh, and did it kind of unfold how you expected, or is it a total surprise? And no. you just went with what the characters were telling you. You know what's interesting? I'm very visual. So I could mm -hmm. see it and I could hear it. The challenge is being able to distill um, that vision, you know, and all of those sensory elements onto the page. So how do you go about telling those moments? Right. Um, so yeah, so so that's the hardest part. You can have you know having this wonderful idea, but then being able to um, actualize it on the page. You know, that's that's the tough part. You know, in a, in a well, the, this is one part I. I, I mean, it has to be done. What I, one of the parts I don't like about writing is you've written the book. You, I, what I do is I write the book and I don't edit as I go along. I just write. I, I just, if I start editing while I'm writing, then I will never go to the book done because I'll just keep editing. But this is what works for me. But then when I read it through as a, as a total book, I find there's sometimes not just paragraph but pages that I just need to be rid of, and I say to myself. That took me so long to write. Now I'm just going to toss it aside. Yeah. Do you ever have to do that when you're when you're writing? Yes. So the cicada tree, as published, is about a hundred thousand words, but the first draft was about a hundred and thirty thousand. Wow. <laughs> so you cut but a lot out. <laughs> I had to cut quite a lot, but you know what? What what I found happened when I went back. Well, first of all, my first draft. When I went back and read it, you know, it's, it's sort of cringeworthy. You know, think, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> awful. You know, no one's ever going to want to read this. <laughs> uh -huh. but, but, of course, you know, as they say, novels are written in revision. Um, but I think that for me, you know, sometimes you can have these beautiful moments, but they just don't work. Um, but but there are ways to get you from, from point A to point B of a story. And so I had like, there were like chapters that were in a way just sort of filler so mm -hmm. I was able to reduce word count by just chopping away some chapters. And still, you kept 100,000 words. That's a good-sized book. How many pages? Uh, 300, and so this is the book. And there it I is. I'm going to ask you earlier to hold that up. Let's see that cover again. 320, 327 pages. That's a good-sized debut novel, Robert. <laughs> 100,000 words. That's excellent. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, there's a couple more questions I wanted to ask you, uh, not me, but our readers. Here we go. This is from Tina. Come on. There we go. Do you have a special place that you write? So, so that's evolved over time. Uh, there was a period of time where early on I had to be in complete silence. And then it, then it sort of evolved where I actually could write in coffee shops. And I could sort of um, filter out the noise. And then, of course, the pandemic came along. And then, of course, you know, we're all staying at home. So I do have, I do a lot of my writing, you know, in this room that I'm in now, which is my writing office. My desk is, is right over there. Um, so beautiful. I love the pictures behind you. So I, yeah, so I, it's, um, 
I keep the um, I have a window behind me, but I keep it closed so I'm not distracted. I'm not looking at it. Um, so yeah, so I typically, you know, in this office is where uh, I do the majority of my writing. Now you do work full time, yes. So you're writing, I'm assuming, in the evenings. Mornings. I tend to oh, be mornings. More, I tend to be more creative earlier, and I can work through plot issues. Um, and sometimes if I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next in the story, typically I, I have those aha moments when I'm brushing my teeth or I'm <laughs> shaving or I'm in the shower. A lot of, um, a lot of amazing ideas come to me when I'm in the shower. I don't know what that's about, but I get up about when I'm writing, I'll get up about four 30 in the morning. Oh my goodness. I'll have my coffee. I'll go, I'll go sit down at my desk and I'll write a couple of hours until it's time for me to begin to get ready for work. So about from four 30 to six 30, I'll write. And then of course, weekends are prime writing time for me as well. And do you try and write every day? I do try. Um, I don't always, that doesn't always happen, no. but um, I'm, I'm at the very beginning of a new project. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm trying to recondition my body <laughs> so I can be up at 30 in my mind. Exactly. Your mind. I hear you. I try and write every day, but like you, it doesn't happen, but I'm very hard on myself when it doesn't happen. I, in my head, I'm just, discipline myself or telling yeah, myself yeah. off like why don't you just give yourself an hour why don't you give you and i really have to stop that because life does get in the way and other things need to get done but i'm very hard on myself if i don't write every day but it's not easy it's yeah. not easy do you set yourself a goal of say words when you do sit down or you just um just i i don't typically just whatever i can make happen you know i have a really bad habit of revising as i go which is not a good habit i should just I don't write, write the story, but it's hard for me not to hone it um, as I go. But yeah. I don't typically know, like sometimes I'll, I will play these mind games on the weekend when I'm writing. Um, I cannot get my behind up from the desk until you know, like 10 o'clock. Then I can take a break. Well, there you go. Um, that's a, that's yeah, a good so I, I will sort of play these mind tricks. That's a good go. I like that. Yeah. With me, I, I don't do the revision. I, I said I just can't do that because otherwise I'm just revising the whole time. But what I like to do is I'll read the last chapter I wrote and that gets me back yeah. into the story. But I did try the revision, but it's, it's whatever works for anyone. We all have different writing techniques and we have to do what works for us. Exactly. And our writing flow. But I see the time and I'm excited about this. I'm gonna, We're going to take a little break because you're going to give us a treat and read us an excerpt from the cicada trick. Yes. I love hearing you read, so I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to hand it over to you. Okay. So so this particular scene is between um, the protagonist, 11-year-old Annalise Newell, and um, her, young, her young friend, Edda May, who's 10. And they're in this, um, they're in this place they call their um, mama's old thinking spot, and it's sort of an untended garden. And this is the first time that Annalise tastes whiskey, um, old crow whiskey, which is the whiskey that her, her father drinks. A slant of sun cut through the oak's branches, catching light in the bottle, sparking in the hooch. It's pretty, I said, like your granny's eyes, butterscotch, the color of trouble. I gave the bottle a shake and screwed off the top. That it may squeeze my knee. What are you fixing to do? Never you mind, I said, lifting the bottle to my nose. I'm just smelling it. 
The scent was not near about as unpleasant as expected. A different kind of smell coming straight out of the bottle than from Daddy's breath, from the recipe of whiskey and aftershave leaking from his skin. You want to sniff? Edame leaned away from me, swatting at the bottle. You're going to get us killed, she said, looking over her shoulder to the house. If Granny catches us with that, we won't be sitting down till the sweet Lord calls us back to glory. I'm not scared of her, I said, passing the bottle beneath my nose. That's mighty big talk, Edame said, knocking and grabbing for the bottle. The cicada chorus rose up, worrying at me, prodding me along. I wonder what all the hullabaloo's about, I said, holding that old crow just out of Edame's reach. Perhaps it was the color of butterscotch that made me do it, hypnotizing me like a carnival gypsy, or the hysterical screech of that cicada song. Or maybe it was both, tricking and taunting me to tip back that bottle and take a greedy gulp. Edame yelled, stop. Hush up, I said, shutting my eyes, taking in the slow burn trailing down my throat, the scorch spreading across my insides. Like the smell, the taste was not as troublesome as I imagined, better than castor oil or a swallowed-down scoop of mentholatum. Edame squeezed my wrist, agitating the place the fern stem choked. Are you crazy? Might be, I said, opening my eyes. Hard to know. You're drunk yet, she whispered, leaning into me, scrutinizing me from one end to the other. Don't be silly. It takes more than a little old sip to get drunk. Truth be told, I did feel woozy, like the end of a good spin on a tire swing. Feel any different? I took another swig. A little, I whispered. You want some? The devils don't grab hold of you, she slapped in my hand. Don't send them chasing after me. I screwed the top of the bottle back on and motioned for Edame to sit down on the ground next to me. I lay my head in her lap, the whiskey bottle rising and falling on my belly. Up into the big oak's branches I blinked, the sun weaving through, crocheting lace doilies all around. Fiddle with my hair sweet and sing me something nice, I said in a sleepy time voice. Okay, but not another sip. Promise? Promise. Edame curled strands of my hair around her fingers, turning it loose to tickle my cheeks. The old crow fanned its fire-lit wings, heating my insides, smoking and clouding my mind, a sweet, slow sort of burn. Could this be how it felt to be daddy? Floating and bobbing. And when was it the meanness would come? Might it be quick like a hiccup? I imagined Daddy laying there beside me, both of us with fire in our chests. Without a word, we share secrets, the whiskey bottle tipping to Daddy's lips and to mine. There on the dandelion bed, the smut grass poking up all around. Understanding takes root. That a bad thing can be good. The salvation is the tricky color of butterscotch. The rapture is pain. Edame started up singing, her angel voice and the whiskey casting a spell upon me, nudging big shimmery tears to swell and spill from the corners of my eyes. Above us, the sun turned lazy, slouching in the sky. Three shadows faded into the weeds deep down beneath the earthworms to dark, cool places, far from the caw and burn and scratch 
of that old garden crow. Wow, I could listen to you all day. Can you keep reading? <laughs> <laughs> Is you, I'm going to put up some of these comments. I was looking at the yeah. comments while you were reading. Let me see. Here's one right here. Hold on. Uh, okay, sorry. Wrong one. But you got some wonderful. Oh, Linda Martin. Hey, Linda. Linda <laughs> is um, is a beautifully supportive um, reader and supportive authors. And she actually came to my book launch in Atlanta with her husband. Now, who is this again? I'm sorry. Linda Martin. She she's is. Um, she's a huge supporter of, oh, of readers and authors. This right here. Yes. Yeah. Linda was just saying Janelle Jackson. Yes, right. But I don't know what Janelle Jackson said. <laughs> no, that's a beautiful reading. Thank you so much. Tina said she loves it. I'm going to put up some comments. I love listening to you read. Karen Wright says, amazing excerpt, so intriguing and interesting sounding. These girls are something else. Here's a cute one. Uh, Robert, will you narrate my life? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, is your book available on audio? It is not, um, and you know, and I, I could have a conversation with the publisher about whether or not we um, might like to do that, um, and it's something we might do, certainly. If um, you not, do, will you be narrating it? You know, it's interesting. I had an event in um, up in Blairsville, Georgia, in the North Georgia Mountains this weekend at Bookbound Bookstore, and there were readers. Um, there's the members of a book club who asked me the same question. And um, I thought for some reason that if it were to be an audiobook, that I would have, you know, a, a woman narrate since the, it's told from the perspective of, of a girl. But it's funny. And, and it was women who said, you know what? I think you should read it, which I thought I, was I'm, I'm game. And I think all of our audience would agree because all of them are saying how much they love your voice and love to hear you read. So I think unanimously, if you were to make an audio, I think it, you got the job. Thank you. <laughs> I love the accent. I hope I pay well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, right? Um, what genre would you say Cicada Tree is? So it's it's Southern fiction. And I say that it's it has um, Gothic tendencies, elements of magical realism. So it does, um, it does cross genre a bit. I mean, obviously it's, it's squarely right in the middle of um, being literary Southern fiction, but it has those elements of the Gothic and magical realism. And, and, I, and go ahead. I'm sorry. And your work that you, the work you're currently working on is that taken in Georgia also Southern fiction? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm working on a project that takes place in 1931 on a remote Georgia coastal barrier island. Um, and it's told from the perspective of a 14-year-old girl. And it's Southern fiction um, with um, elements of the Southern Gothic and magical realism. So with these both books, you, I'm going to jump here. The next book you, that you're writing, do you have a title for it yet or no? Yeah, so, so the working title is Sing Down the Moon. Sing as in S-I-N-G? Mm -hmm. Oh, nice title. I like that. Sing Down the Moon. But you don't know if it's going to stick yet. Because sometimes titles work. Right. Well, so that is, so Sing Down the Moon is coming from a bit of dialogue I think a character is going to say. Ah, yeah. see. Yeah. Just like yeah. your taglines. Yeah. I think, you know, she says, you know, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to sing down that moon. Do you have a release date? No. Um, so in, in the, there's no contract. So really what will happen is that I will finish up the first 50 pages 
I'll write a synopsis and I'll send it to my agent. And right. here, I've, I've talked him through the story and he's intrigued. So I'll have him give me notes, whether he thinks I'm on track or off track. And then I'll take those notes and I'll just, I'll write the novel. And hopefully at the end of the, when it's all said and done and I've got a good draft and he thinks that it's something he would like to send out in the world, then he will put it out into submission. Oh, I wish you luck. It, I love Thank the you. title. I mean, if it's anything like what I've been hearing about the cicada tree, I'm sure it's going to be out there in no time at all. Now, both but this one, the the cicada tree is set in the 50, 1950s. Yes. The latest book is set in the 1930s, which means you have to do some research. You do. You, do. you know, it's funny. People people will, will, will refer to the cicada tree as historical fiction. And I don't... For me, you know, within historical fiction, though the story does take place within a historical period, I don't, the, the time is not really a character as much as place is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did it in the cicada tree, of course, I did have to research um, aspects of technology and maybe some of um, the language, like for no, instance, uh, in fashion. So within yeah. the Within the knot, which was a lot of fun. So the, there's a character, Cordelia Mayfield, who's a matriarch of a wealthy family, a, um, a family that Annalise Newell, the protagonist, is obsessed over. And so um, Cordelia Mayfield wears Christian Dior 24-7. So, so everything that she wore actually was based on a real Christian Dior design from that time period. From that period. Yeah. See, I love historical fiction. And I've been asked, would I ever write it? I love to read it, but to write it scares me because of the research. And yeah. for me, my fear is if I don't do the research 100%, someone's going to call me on it. They will. And they will. And they will. <laughs> do it. They, will. <laughs> they will do it. Um, you know, it's what, what I love is so the, the cicada tree takes place in a, in a fictitious town in Southwest Georgia called Providence, Georgia. So I was able to world build. I didn't actually put it in an existing place. That way I could, I didn't have to worry about whether or not that place was next door to this place or, you know, because people it's love, world. You, yeah. Yeah, it's my yeah. world. It can, it can be anything that I want it to be. Yeah. That, that's a great way to do it. And you uh, um, spent all your life in Georgia. Yes. So um, there was a brief couple of years. So I actually, my mom and dad um, still reside in Cairo, Georgia, the place that I grew up in. Oh, wow. But my dad was in the, the army. So um, my mom, and, so I actually was born in the Netherlands. In, oh, um, and okay. I lived in Germany for just a couple of years. I have no memory of the time mm-hmm. um, overseas. Um, but when my parents moved back to Cairo, Georgia when I was, a little thing and um so from there i've lived my entire life in in the in, south and in georgia in well i went to school in florida i, I attended florida state university okay. which of course is the south but mm-hmm. um yeah my whole life <laughs> is south. okay um so do you think you'll always write southern fiction books we, you're asking me that question today and i will say yes but what i do know is that for me, I think that as writers, or you hope that you're constantly evolving mm-hmm. um, and that you will continue to grow as a writer. You know, I'm not, I'm not as good as I hope, I, you know, as I want to be. And I'm going to keep striving um, to be better. 
And it's funny because I, I was quite a different person at the beginning writing the cicada tree. And it's quite another person at the conclusion of writing the cicada tree. We grow. Um, you grow. Yeah, you, you grow. Totally and and that's what, you know, so right now I love the South and I love um I love that element of storytelling. So I can foresee myself writing what I know for the rest of my life. Now and that's what with, they say do. They say whether, write what you know. What you if know. you know, if down the road you wanna not break away, but try something different. Is there a genre that interests you to try and write? I um so I do love I do love stories with elements of magical realism that aren't necessarily set in the South. Mm -hmm. um, so literary fiction um, with sort of those mystical magical elements to them, you know. I think, um, but I think that what I'm writing. For, from a tone perspective is what I love to read. When I set out to write the cicada tree, my goal was to write the book I've been looking for all my life and haven't been able to find. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, so I think that's my approach. And I think that if, as a writer, for me, I didn't write toward what I thought might be commercially viable, which is probably stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. but, but I hope that if I wrote what I love, that there would be an audience for it. And I think you have a huge audience. You've got quite a following. And like I said before, the the reviews for your book for debut is outstanding. So congratulations. Thank you. And I see your book everywhere. So whatever you're doing is working. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's because you know I have wonderful supporters like you and all the individuals that are on this evening who take the time to stop and listen and to pay the book a little bit of attention. It certainly goes a long way. You know, there's, there's Bambi and there's Michelle. And there's Linda, who I see that are on. Um, wonderful supporters of authors. And it means the world, you know, when you're a debut author, no one knows who in the heck you are. Right. And you've done a fantastic job of getting yourself known and getting yourself out there. Because once we write the book and it's published, now it's time to market it. <laughs> yes. You know, I suffered this ridiculous um, delusion that you just write a good book and people will find their way to it. <laughs> Not um, <laughs> real quick, huh? <laughs> yeah, very quickly. Well, and that's the thing, you know. I I'm learning still. I, there was so much I didn't know um, yeah. going into this process. I had no idea what it would take to get a book out into the and world. It, it, no it's idea. a constant learning curve. I'm on, you know, book eleven, which I'm writing right now, but I'm still learning. I'm still learning, and yeah. I'm still learning from mistakes too. You know, there's been mistakes along the way. Some I'm not even going to talk about because it's like just stupid. But we're constantly learning. We're constantly learning from the mistakes. And I think we will continue. And also technology changes. Yes. You know, I get used to something and then two books later, that doesn't work anymore. I got to do this now. Or another app just showed up. Showed up and now I've got to appear on that social media platform. And it's just like, right. all I want to do is write. <laughs> I know, you know that that's the interesting thing about the time we're in now is that not only do you have to write a good book, but because of social media, there's um, you have to be a personality also. You do, um, and and people have this image of an author just being in their office, quiet, secluded. Not my father was like that. My father, my dad was an author, and he was an introvert. And he went to, I mean, he came to our wedding, my, my our wedding, and he sat there behind a book. 
because he just didn't know how to socialize. And nothing against my dad, but he felt comfort when he was writing and when he was reading a book. And he came out of his show when he was amongst his people at science fiction conventions and you just couldn't shut him up, you know? So, so yeah, it, I mean, this social media for a lot of authors, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. It really is. And I didn't start doing these chats until the pandemic because I still wanted to get myself out there. I couldn't do the book signings. I couldn't be out in public. So I started doing this and I just love doing them and keep doing them. You know? Yeah, you're right. You know, there, there's there's something new all the time. You know, there's like the the TikTok and the book talk. And um, I'm just sort of sticking to Facebook and to Instagram for now. And then maybe I'll branch out. But um, I'm able to manage Facebook and I'm able to manage Instagram. But I think anything else on top of that would just be overwhelming for me. Yeah, Facebook is where I do most of my stuff, as, as you know. And, and I see you a lot on Facebook. Instagram, I, I I'm there. And then a week a week goes by. Oh, I haven't posted on Instagram this week, so I'm not constant. TikTok, uh, I'm like, eh. I'm just yeah, not I'm, fond I'm, of the app. I'm just not. I'm, and I'm not quite sure it's like age appropriate for me. Yeah, me neither. There are a lot of young. There are a lot of younger folk on there it. Is. I agree yeah. with you. Twitter, I have nothing to do with. It's just it's just too much drama on Twitter. So, Agreed. Like Facebook and Instagram has been with and Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I love to go. I don't really do. I don't really do anything on Pinterest, but I love to um to look at images on Pinterest. I well, probably Pinterest. You know, I have a website just like you. I get a. I want to say at least a third of my daily traffic from Pinterest. Wow. And it's because of the pins I post. If you ever think about it, reach out to me because I do have an author's board that has. I want to say 100,000 plus pins and 45,000 members. And you can pin there every day with links to your books, links to Facebook, whatever you want to send links to. And I'll post my books in there. And that's where I get my traffic to my website. Oh, that's that's amazing. Keep it in mind, it's the author, readers, writing board. It's, It's a community board. So other people can come in and pin. And pretty much you place a pin. You share someone else's pin. That's nice. that's how it works. But keep it in mind if ever you want to yeah, um, join up, let me know and I'll send you the link. I'd love to have Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, please send. Yeah, and I wanted to I see questions and then I get talking and I miss it. But there was one I wanted to pop up. Give me just a minute. Uh, just a minute. Um okay, here it is. This is a good question I wanted to put up. It's from Tina. Do you have any advice? For a person just starting to write, um, gosh. So, for a person just starting to write, yes, I think that you know you just you just have to commit the time to do it. For me, when I started, when I moved from Tallahassee, Florida, and I want to say hello to Peggy Patterson. I just see that she. Oh, Peggy's here! Hi, Peggy. Hello, hey, Peg. Hey, Peggy. Thank you for popping in. Um, for me, you know, writing is something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, and I took, um, classes in college. I always loved my high school writing classes. Um, but when I moved in 2000, you know, I had this, I could sort of feel the clock ticking and I had this vision of myself being a much older man at the end of life and not having tried and being very regretful about not having tried, 
tried to write. So I actually joined um, Atlanta Writers Club. So I would I think that what's critical um, for someone who's starting out writing and for someone who is more seasoned is to to have a community of of individuals who have your best interest at heart, who can who are, are at various levels. I always say never be the smartest or most talented person in the room because you'll never grow. Good so advice. surround yourself with people that are brilliant, who have your best interest at heart. Um, you know, you if you're going to write, you have to you need to read a lot. Um, you'll find much inspiration in the work of others. And it's just the act of writing. And then maybe join a critique group as well. Perfect. Great advice. Is there some, with you being on your second book, like you said, this is your debut, so it's a learning curve for you all, all on this journey. With your second book, is there something that pops out in your head that you won't do, that you did with the first book? Maybe, you, you know, something well, you learned? I, what I learned from, from a, well, I do think that the work will probably be a little darker um, than the cicada tree. Um, I think one of the things that I learned just from a personal journey perspective is not to compare your journey as a writer to, to that of other writers, because it'll just drive you mad. <laughs> I, you know, we all, we, we all have our own unique path. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that you have to be supportive of other writers. You have to celebrate their successes with them. You have to put that positive energy out into the world and it will find its way back to you. But I do think that you need to be supportive of, of others mm-hmm. um, and you need to help share the, there, there's room for all of us. There is. Out there, certainly. And we all have our own voice. Don't try and mimic another one. Yes. Right, totally. exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes if there's, let's say that you're just starting out mm-hmm. um, and there's an author that you like, I think that mimicry in the beginning is okay because it will help lead you to your own voice. So if you'd like, if you admire I don't know, F. Scott Fitzgerald and you love the cadence of his writing, you know, and you want to, emulate that well you you're not you're not going to be f scott fitzgerald right but but perhaps along that journey you will find your way to yourself i think good advice that's perfect read a lot of his and then find your own voice yeah exactly perfect okay here's a question from karen she's asking are the characters based on family and friends so it's, it's interesting. I went home. So I grew up in a small town called Cairo, Georgia. And I had an event early on after the Cicada Tree released at the Roddenberry Memorial Library, the library that I went to when I was a boy all the way through high school. And we had a great turnout. At that event, there were um, old high school English teachers of mine, family members, classmates I had not seen since 1987. Oh, wow. Um, so one of the things that the, um, the interviewer asked me, um, so there were a few things that I cherry picked from Cairo, Georgia and put into Providence. Like there was a pickle factory. Okay. Um, I reference, I make a reference to Joanne Woodward who grew up over in Thomasville, Georgia, just 30, 30 minutes away from Cairo. Um, 
so there were a few things that there were a few things that I referenced. So the librarian went down and she listed all of those things. And she said, so what people want to know is, is Providence, Georgia, Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it wasn't. Um, but I, I did sort of cherry pick some things for, for characters. I really don't have any characters that are based on family or friends, but I did use, um, I did use a family name. Um, Annalise's uh, father's name is Claxton, and uh, my great grandfather, my mother's grandfather, was named Claxton, and he had a lot of drinking issues, <laughs> as, well, um, as does Claxton in in the book. Um, and um, you know, it was just sort of um, something I wanted to do because you know, mm -hmm. I mean, alcoholism in families permeates, you know, and it has a great impact on the children. It, it just casts a dark shadow. And no, I, it, um, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I did that for my mom and I think you know, she appreciated it. Uh, Mistletoe Plantation that I referenced in the book that's owned by the Mayfields. There actually is a Mistletoe Plantation on or around close to Cary, Georgia. So I have a family connection um, to, to mistletoe. So, so the mistletoe plantation that I describe in the book is nothing like the, the mistletoe right. plantation that exists in real life. But my family, my Gwaltney family um, were farmers mm -hmm. and there was, they had a farm years and years and years ago that adjoined mistletoe plantation. Um, so um, the owners of mistletoe plantation purchased the Gwaltney farm and rolled the land into the plantation. And my family took that money and bought a new farm um, out, um, out in the country of Grady County in the County that the Cairo was in. So I did, so there were some little things like some little Easter eggs like that, that I put in into the book. I think that my characters in some way though, all of them, have elements of myself and all of them, I think. That was going to be my next question. Was there any elements of it? Because I always say there's, you will find bits and pieces of the author in a book. You mm -hmm. just, it, it's just what we do. Whether it be accidental and you don't realize it until after you've written. My dad, he loved Guinness. And I swear almost every character drank Guinness in his books. And I'm like, Dad, you need to find another drink. Branch <laughs> 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 out. <laughs> But I always believe that there's little traits that the author would drop in a book of themselves. It would be hard not to. I think that if you want, you know, like the cicada tree and Annalise Newell, of course, she's an 11 year old girl. I mean, none of that is representative of my life. But through, if you know me, in a way, you do tell your story through fiction. Mm -hmm. um, it could be an allegory and metaphor, but you're there. You're threaded through it yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah, we weave our ways in there. We really do. Here's a question uh, from Renee. She's asking, do any of your family members read your books before they are published and give their input? Good question. So not really. So I think that my mother, when I was writing this Cicada Tree, she knew that I was writing the book and she saw um, a few things here. There, I think she was really nervous what I was writing and that somehow, you know, I was like telling family secrets. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't really give them, um, no one really knew a whole lot about the book, um, other than my mom and she knew just a little bit, but I don't, didn't really, I think it's hard for me. Um, I don't really trust input for those who love me best and know me that best. Makes, that makes because, sense. 
Yeah. Um, not that I, I don't care what they think, but um, I don't know that you're necessarily going to have quite the critical ear and eye from a family member. Right. Are there any other writers in your family? No. So I think that my mom, I think, could have been um, a writer. I think that she was fascinated by the idea of it. Um, you know, she enjoyed writing in school and essays, but you know, I'm the oldest of four boys. There was, you know, a lot of a, a lot to take care of in the home. Never quiet in our it's in our home. Boy, I can imagine. Four boys, I know. So she was um, cook and cleaner and taxi cab driver. You know, so she stayed very busy. Um, I think that she could have been a really wonderful writer, and I suggested to her, you know, a few years back that maybe she, you know, consider taking um, a few classes. Does she so, read a lot? She does. She does read. And mm -hmm. she she loved the cicada tree. Mm -hmm. I was really nervous when, you know, she was reading the final version. My brother, Chris, um, and his wife both read it together and they loved the book. So it's and they were it was interesting because he he's so fascinated by the story and just talked had very in-depth questions about the characters and the process so that they though I don't get their input about the story um, I very much get their support wonderful wonderful I have a question for you from Tammy I'm going to put this one up what are your thoughts on autobiography on your own life I don't think that anything has happened that extraordinary that people would want to read about well you'd be surprised we all have a story <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe on down the road, perhaps. Um, but in a way, I think that you know, fiction is autobiographical in a way. Yeah, my my trilogy is based on my life, all three of them, and everything in the books happened. Yeah, and there's only supposed to be one book, and it turned into three. But yeah, you know, right. just from what you've telling us of your family background and the farms, it's all fascinating. You know, growing up on a farm and born in well, the Netherlands, you don't remember, but. Oh, I bet you have a good story in there. <laughs> maybe one day, you know, maybe one day, um, you know, I would. It's funny because that's that's one of the reasons why I wasn't comfortable writing the first book that Cicada Tree morphed into. I was telling the story from um, an 11 year old boy's perspective, right. and it just seemed too much like me. Um, <laughs> and I thought, no, I, I don't think I, you know, I don't know that I want to tell the story yet. <laughs> Switch gears. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got a few more questions, and we have to wrap it up. This time is going by so quickly. Um, I'm sorry, no name. No, that's the wrong one. Here it is. How many covers did you see before choosing the one on the cicada tree? God, so the store. So the, the, I was most terrified of getting an ugly cover. I was, <laughs> <laughs> and um. So in my contract, it said that, you know, I, I could provide input and ideas and images, but ultimately the publisher would reserve the right to make the final selection. So I took matters into my own hands. And so when coming up with ideas or prototypes, I actually worked with a professional cover designer to come up with three options that I submitted as my ideas. <laughs> and, and, um, and this was, and they, they loved this cover so much. The only um, the only note that the publisher had was that they wanted my name a little larger and they wanted um, the title a little larger. And so we took those notes and we sent it back. And um, so the publisher got lucky. You know, they were they were able to just accept 
the prototype and this is and this is it's a brilliant cool. cover i love the yellow the yellow just makes it pop thank you yeah i love the cover i was very pleased with it so in total there were three options from which to choose and this was the winner and it, it's perfect um real quick the cicada tree you mentioned that in the book you're writing now the i'm sorry sing moon sing moon sing what down the moon sing down the moon you have that title was the cicada tree have that title when you first began writing yeah, for, so from the very beginning, um, the cicada, that was the title. It never changed. Oh, okay. I was just curious because you had mentioned about your titles. Robert, this has been a fantastic chat. I Thank really you. enjoyed it. I do want to talk really quick about the giveaway. You're generously sure. doing a giveaway. So I'm going to hand it back over to you for that, and you can tell us what you what the giveaway is. Yes. So, um, so um, Tina is going to make the selection, announce it later, but you will get a signed copy of the cicada tree. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I would tag you in the group. I can't, I can't tag on my author page. Can you tag anyone on your author page? So I, I only, I only have the one Facebook page. So I've oh. only, yeah. So I've not, um, I've not um, transitioned into an author page yet. Oh, okay. Cause I can't, but I can tag you in the group. So I'll go ahead and do that in a couple of hours. I'm also doing my regular giveaway, which I do on every chat and I'm giving away a $5 Amazon gift card. Most of you know how to enter for that one. You need to go to my author page and share this video. Share it with your friends. Share it in your favorite book clubs. Share it wherever you would like and tag me. And that puts you in the uh, $5 drawing for the Amazon gift card. And again, I'll announce that with the Robert's giveaway. And Robert, I wanted to ask you if you have time. If you have time to just scroll through our comments after our chat, not immediately, but any no. questions that we miss and you'd like to Absolutely. answer. Absolutely. And love leave any links you would like in the comments, like links to your books. I think I put the website up in the text, but you can feel free to put any links you want. And be sure to check out the author page and the group for comments. Thank you. This has been fantastic. And good luck with your next book. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And come back. When you have that next book out, I want to do some more talking. It's a date. Okay. Thank you, Robert, so much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Everyone take care. Good night. Thank you for joining us. And I will see you next time on the Cuppa and Another podcast when I'll be chatting with another author. Good night, everyone. <laughs>